children we have continued to lose our minds so for some reason known only to joe boo lou and i have invited cameron back into the room hi i'm back <laughs> i'm blaming lou for this yeah i said it was fun last time and <laughs> yeah. and actually no this is partially my fault because i thought this would be fun to have cameron's input on because this is a topic that would that would go nicely with the feminine perspective. What might that be? Well, we are gathered here to tell you that where you start will determine where you finish. Okay. And I'm serious. I mean it. All right. Let's have some fun. Titus, chapter one. Not even going to hint at anything. Not even going to give you a clue. We are going to discuss the doc- part of the working out of the doctrine of humanity. So that's your overarching topic within that, though. Lots of many little subheadings, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Titus chapter 1. For this reason, I left you in Crete. So in other words, Titus has been abandoned by Paul. I'm using the dramatic words. It's not really abandoned. He's been given a job to do. Mm-hmm. When an apostle gives you a job, it's probably important, right? Probably. I mean, it's not like yeah. in this world Titus is going to go pick up the dry cleaning and get coffee. That's not the work here, so he's got something important to do. That you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. This would be an important job. You have Paul doing the traveling evangelist preaching and teaching work, establishing churches, discipling converts, but is Paul omnipresent? No. Mm-mm. Can Paul stay in Crete until the end of time? Nah, no, he's currently locked up, right? I mean, at this, this a... point, if he's not locked up, he's on. He's halfway to Spain, right? So he's somewhere in there, depending yeah. on when you want to, yeah. depending on how you want to understand it's the timeline. It's just before his second incarceration. I, I would, I, if you made me guess, I would put it in between incarceration one and two. Yeah. And yes, the official show position is two incarcerations of Paul for the win. And if you disagree with that, well, you're just wrong. So get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> we're right. Would you like to know why we're right? Bada bing. Because we have the microphones and you don't. There oh. you go. See, that's wow. how this works. If you want to be right, go get your own microphone. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's going to be one of those days, people. So <laughs> he's got to appoint elders. Elders' jobs are to continue the work of the apostles. Right. This is why Timothy was supposed to appoint elders. This is why all of the churches were supposed to appoint elders. Someone's got to teach. Someone's got to engage the beginnings of church discipline. Remember, when you go to your brother, if he doesn't repent, what do you do? You, take you get two one. or three witnesses. Who would be the good people to get? Hmm. The elders people with a larger win. Bible. Yeah, yes, there you yes. go. Yeah. People with a larger Bible. Look at Lou paying attention week to week. So you need some. This is one of those dirty little things that people don't like to think about in church. You need someone in your church that has authority. Right. Yes. Someone's got to be able to look at you and go, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Or stop doing that. And it has to be someone that you're willing to listen to. Right. I mean, should a brother in Christ be able to do that? Yes. But there needs to be somebody in church who can look at you and go, no, we don't do that here. I don't yeah. like that. 
then go somewhere else. else. Right, yeah. there's the door, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Don't let it hit you where the good Lord split you. Yeah. Someone has to have authority, according to the New Testament. Well, yeah. I that mean, someone typically, and hopefully better yet, someone's should be elders. Yeah. Meaning they are mature individuals, mature in the faith, hopefully have some one gray hairs because you don't receive them, you win them. <laughs> you earn them. Yes. Sometimes I, I have earned these stripes. I, win necessarily, but. I think those are the stripes Paul was talking about to the Philippians. The white stripes. I think so. Yeah, I th- I'm, that's, that, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. How does that explain Gene? He was white headed by the time he and um... his sister. Yeah, I'll give you that. There you Jessica. go. Somebody yeah. Lou doesn't know. Lou's like, yeah. who are we talking about? Yeah, back Jean. in high school, I had two people <laughs> Through in the book school. of Gene? Uh, yeah, yeah, he... Mason he, is one person. He, he was, they were both gray by, he, like, the time they were 20. 20. And I got I, one friend like that. I blame their siblings. completely gray. Yes. Mason, you can blame the three brothers. Mason has the three Gene, you blame his sister, and yep. it all makes sense in the end. So there, there you go. There you go. only one in the family, too. So beyond just general qualifications of what the word elder entails, which you, if you just took the word elder at face value, you'd say, well, old Guy. Old, yeah. Older, right, right. Because in our language today, yeah. elder refers to you would an older say person. older person, but that's not how Paul is using it. Timothy was an elder. Timothy, at most, was in his thirties. Right. So he's mm-hmm. talking about leadership here. So we need yeah. some qualifications. And elder in thanks action. be to God that yeah. Titus isn't sitting there going elder. What's that mean? Elder. Yeah, right. So how how do I define elder? Like Titus doesn't just sit around a creek going, "All right, I guess I'll figure out what an elder is." No, namely. If any man is above reproach. All right, we're going to deal with the second part first because it's more important. Okay. Above reproach. He's got to be perfect in every way, right? No. (laughs) No. What do you mean no? He has a lifestyle of... No one is perfect. Yeah, exactly. The lifestyle of... I'm sorry, Michael. I didn't mean to to do that to you. But I think I have a witness here. So there are two people. (laughs) We're establishing some truth here. Now he can look at you and go, you're not perfect, and I have witness. You're the muscle, huh? Yeah. (laughs) As Paul puts it in Philippians, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, because we are saved, we are justified. And reaching forward to what lies ahead, we are being saved, being sanctified, hoping for our final salvation in which we are glorified. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yes. So that's what we're striving for. This is what above reproach means. It doesn't mean that he's perfect. It means that we're working on it and that this man is working on it well. Case in point, I, I have a lovely story to share on this one because this was a debate that I had. Well, I don't know if it was much of a debate. If you were in it, it wasn't much a debate. <laughs> uh, I, am, I am odd in life. So as a, as, a, um, as a teenager in college, my friends were all in their late 20s and 30s. My, the, the, of the four people I hung out with, wait a minute, the five people I hung out with the most in college, one of them was my age, one was a 28-year-old uh, Army guy, one was a 30-year-old Army guy, and the other one was a 35-year-old Army guy. And then there was a 40-year-old who was running for Congress. <laughs> oh, wow. Those are the people I hung out with in college. That explains a lot. As a seminary student in my mid-20s, the two people I hung out with the most in college were both in their 50s. At seminary? 
I'm sorry, it's head seminary. Yeah. One was a retired lieutenant colonel, uh, was That's a helicopter. You said we have. Scott was a yeah. retired lieutenant colonel, was a uh, helicopter pilot. And the other one was an IT specialist, mm-hmm. Gene, Gene, who had gone to. Another Gene, different Gene. Columbia. <laughs> it used to be Columbia Bible College. Great um, fundamentalist school. Yeah. And he was now going around the second time. His dad was a, um, a Bob Jones graduate mm-hmm. and had pastored churches in Florida and Alabama and North Carolina for like his whole life. Yeah. His dad was an interesting character. He used to tell me, he goes, because Gene was a big guy, and his dad was bigger than he was. And he goes, we knew dad had given up playing football to go into ministry since he went to Bob Jones for college. But it wasn't until he died and went through his stuff that he had scholarship offers from Alabama and Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was an offensive lineman. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So so his dad was... Was a, was like no, I don't want to play football. I want to go preach. So Gene ran from that life for thirty years and then went to seminary. So I had this conversation with Gene. We were talking about qualifications of an elder, and just as we talked um, last week, we were talking about the sexual abuse issues. It's very common, even at this point, almost twenty years ago, in a seminary setting, for somebody to go, "Well, if your pastor has an affair, he's disqualified for ministry." So if you find out that the pastor's sleeping with the secretary and the secretary's not his wife, you got to fire him. And Gene had actually had this conversation with his pastor. And his pastor said, I'm not resigning. If that happens to me, I'm not resigning. And if the church wants to ask me why, I will tell them, when did I ever preach that you were perfect? And when did I ever preach that I was perfect? Right. Yeah, so if he's happened. repentant, even though he has fallen into negligence, is he still above reproach? Because the definition is being justified, yeah. seeking sanctification, and longing for glorification. I think he needs to have some time off. Maybe. Like, maybe like three months yeah, or three that, to six months to of where we need somebody for But you can understand. But you yeah. agree. Should there be some supervision? But, yeah, there yes. There should be some consequences. Is he still capable but, of teaching rightly and understanding grace? Yes. Yes. Whether is, or not the congregation gives him that grace. But you see what I'm getting at. Story. Now, I'm not, I'm but, not, I'm not trying yeah. to take Gene's side on this. Oh, yeah. But the yeah. point that I'm making, though, is the standard for an elder in the church is not perfection. Uh-uh. It is above themselves. reproach. How do you deal? Look, can we be deceived into sin? Yes. Right. Yes. Well, you have to lead by example. Agreed. Though. I mean, and that's a pretty pretty bad thing for someone to Agreed. get caught up in. And, Agreed. And they so both would have to come to the It's church. not like you're gambling... Or yeah. But is like it a that. permanent disqualification? No. Um, if he doesn't repent, he's not yeah. entering the ga- yeah. kingdoms yeah. of God. But that's what I'm saying. So. But above reproach would mean you've brought it to him, and he's like, you know what? You're absolutely right. You know. And he goes to four, and he tells the whole he stands bit. up and tells right. what I, I, I could, I could make the argument that okay, you know what? Maybe he needs to take a couple weeks off from the pulpit. Maybe somebody else can fill that. But do we run him out on a rail? Is his livelihood gone? Is is is, is ministry no longer an option for this man? Not beginning. No. You got to give him time to see. You got to give it time I, to I've see actually, how he reacts. I've actually seen what, does. what that kind of thing does to a congregation, mm-hmm. almost up close and personal, because it's a family member, and I won't mention any names. But I, I know that the wife of this pastor took advantage of a young man, and it it destroyed both families Agreed. and, and yeah. the congregation. So it's when you're talking about sexual sin, it is a grievous problem. Agreed, but what I'm getting at, though, so you deal with that problem. But does that, the fact that that sin exists at some point in anyone's past, make them incapable of being above reproach? Well, you you, you do, sorry, you defined it as in the past. If it's something that is just taken 
place, I think the person should step down for a while, and that, that's going to be totally determined by the congregation I'll itself. Agree. And that's and that's what I think where Gene was trying to get to. And like I said, I'm not trying to take a side. I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate here and presenting his argument as right. I'm trying to do it well. Is right. what I'm getting at. Yeah. I agree. What I what I want. That's what I'm saying. Does a does a guy in that situation should somebody else fill the pulpit for a couple of weeks, a couple of months? Yeah, I guess. And if you're on a rotation system where you have multiple people preaching, sh- should we be skipping his turn for needs, six months? Yeah. But my point is, is he fired? Not, not at the beginning. He needs to be put on. It depends on the fruits. Yeah, leave, and that's what and I'm getting at. So what I'm saying is, if you find out on Monday we're not firing him the next Sunday in a business meeting, we leave. Can we leave that guy on staff and then say, "What? Do, let's look at this in a week." And then let's look at this in a month. And then let's look at this in six months and see where we are. Because I agree. But my point being is the fact that I am in sin, in any sin, as egregious as it may be, am I automatically at any point no longer above reproach? Because if above reproach is not defined as perfection, then sin does not automatically make someone no longer above reproach. I, I think we're, we're looking for gray areas here. And- we are. I think also we're trying to <coughs> pitter-patter around the world standard because the world would say he's out. Burnham, he's a witch. Burnham, he's a witch. Yeah, he's out. Burnham with Whereas fire. Yeah. Okay. the Christian would come up beside him and the deacons and all would be counseling this, day in, day out. She would also have female counselors my day in, day out. And it would look very much different. Lots of grace. But at the same time, he wouldn't have the same position for a while. But there would and be I'm not advocating that he should. Right. For. So, yeah, the world would throw him the, out, bury him under the jail. The church should not be that way. The point that I'm making is, is he no longer above reproach? And yeah. I don't think the answer to that is automatically yes. I don't think the answer is automatically burn him, he's a witch, you know, take him out back and shoot him. But my point is, and you, I think you hit it, is the, by the world standard of the argument, yes. Take him out back, shoot him, throw it, you know. <laughs> we're not talking, and now, we're not, also not talking about a crime. If this is an abuse situation, like, oh, yeah. you find Criminal, out that the 50-year-old pastor is, anyway. is messing around with 15-year-old girls. That's a different conversation we're yeah. having. I'm talking about somebody, you know, things weren't going well at home. He was stupid. He didn't seek counseling. He didn't work on his marriage, and, and he found himself in a bad place, you know. He fell into temptation. Could we honestly sit there and say, you know what? The last 30 years of your faithful ministry— that's thrown out the window now because of this stupidity. They have and to I, ask the wife the same question. And I question. don't think the answer to that should just cold cut be absolutely. Right. I, think I, I, I would agree with that. I th- and that's, that's the argument I'm making. And that's why I think that pastor was – now that pastor and Gene were both very blunt. You, you've met Gene. Yeah, I've met Gene. A little bit like me in the fact that just blunt. Yeah. So his point was when did I ever that's preach awesome. that I was perfect? When did I ever preach that you had to be perfect? We preach repentance and faith and grace towards one another as God has given grace. It's all part of being vulnerable from the pulpit. Agreed. You know, mm-hmm. and that's another way of connecting with the people that you're serving, and so they don't put you up on this pedestal. Agreed. Yeah. But that's what I'm getting at. This is where, and this is why, again, we're, this is why biblical wisdom is so important and why this conversation and the stuff we're trying to do is important because we're trying to get you to live faithfully in the gray. Because life is not black and white. Sin is not black and white. I mean, sin is bad, yes. But the way we fall into sin is never black and white. Mm -mm. There's always a gray area you find yourself in. Because life is lived in these gray areas. And the point is our Bible doesn't just give you all the time. This is right. This is wrong. Do this. It doesn't say he's got to be perfect. It says he's got to be above Above reproach. reproach. (laughs) And that leads to the second thing. The husband of one wife having children who believe. Divorced, 
Is a divorced re- is a remarried man after a divorce the husband of one wife? Yes. I think so too. I agree so. But is this a gray area? Because someone would look at you and say, well, were you divorced for the right reasons? If not, you've committed adultery and you're no longer... That that would be like, what what happened with the first marriage? What what, what caused it? Was it your stupidity and your immaturity and then... Well, after 25 years of marriage, we we grew apart and he was sleeping with a secretary and so I left him. (laughs) Okay, that's from her standpoint. From his, though, husband of one wife... I mean, but you see what I'm getting at. That's a yeah. there's a lot of shades you of gray here that require community. This is why Titus, who's who's given these responsibilities, Titus is. Yes, but think about the, also think about the culture that they lived in. Polygamy was not unheard of. Agreed, so and that I, was I automatically a disqualification. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the conversation. And who's going to know this? And so who's going to know those this? You live with, yeah, those around. Titus yeah. is going to oh, know yeah, this because Titus is. There. Who's been charged with this? Right, and he's going to be appointing. Yes. Right. Right. This is not, well, we're calling some dude from, you know, second Corinth 800 miles away. I mean, it, this is part of the danger that I point out in our modern church system. Look, I mean, let's be honest. The church we're sitting in right now hired me from 1,000 miles away on the basis of uh, two phone calls and two weekend visits. That was three. Was it three phone calls? One while we're at White Lake. On yeah, vacation, yeah. they called you the first time. And one with the initial, one with a second with an initial thing, and then the full committee, and then two meetings. Yeah. Do they know me at that point? There's no way they could have. No. You now, sense, am I not but... happy and thankful? I'm not saying that, but my point is, this is the system that we have set up in our modern world. They don't know me. They have to take a lot of things on faith and be willing to say, you know, six months down the road, if this is not who we think it is, we got to cut bait. Likewise, do I know them? No, no I got to take a lot of things also on faith and say, you know, what you guys look like and how you sound could be completely different things. Been there, done that. <laughs> God, the left t-shirt. the t-shirt behind. Left the t- burned that t-shirt in the driveway. Yeah, left that. Yeah, been there, done that with that church. Yeah. So I mean, Sorry. there's a. This is the problem, and this this is not how your New Testament foresees ministry. Your New Testament foresees it as communal work. Mm-hmm. where you know each other and you know the situation and I know you're not hiding a second wife in the basement somewhere. Of course, you're supposed to hide your first wife in the basement. I don't know how you hide the second one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> nice, finally. You are <laughs> rare form. <laughs> Who let you out of the kitchen, woman? Her. <laughs> this is what I get for letting her out of the kitchen. Who knows? I know. <laughs> no. I still don't have shoes on. <laughs> Well, there you go. I got one thing right. Don't you have something to cook? (laughs) She's thinking. She's thinking. Yeah. Somebody's goose. (laughs) Now, here's the next part. Having children who believe. So if his adult children are ranked pagans, he's disqualified, right? No. No. Yeah, because they're adults. They have have to come to salvation faith on their own. I think you have to legitimately view this as children, but what if they're not baptized believers when they're 12? Is he doing a bad job? Believer baptism, right? Yeah. Right, so they have to be of age to make well, that let's, decision. Let's, let's say they're 14, oh, 15, and they haven't right. done it yet. Five-year-olds. Right, right. But let's say they're 14 or 15, and they haven't done it yet. 14 or 15-year-old girl in this world, we could be marrying but off pretty soon. they're going to... 
See, that would be where I would say that. First uh, Timothy 3 helps you out. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. Because if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of the church of God? I think Paul is just using a little shorthand here with Titus. Children who are believers. Believing children would look like what? They're well-behaved, they're attending, they're part of the community. Even if they're not baptized believers, they sure look a lot like the rest of the believers because they're doing what? Their father has yeah. commanded, and they're still they're still part of the community. Therefore, yeah. they're still hearing the gospel presentation and how to live. Which and all. again goes into so, the idea of the elder being a part of community. How yeah. do we know this? How do we know what his kids are like? Well, because we see them, mm-hmm. right. we recognize what they're doing. They're running around. For and now again, Paul repeats himself. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. Do you see one of the other interesting things I'd like to just bring up is that. This notion of deacon, overseer, pastor. These terms are being interchangeably used, and Paul consistently throughout all his writings— Well, not deacon, presbyter is what you're thinking. Deacon's a separate qualification in First Timothy. I think they're—well, I just—okay. Because right. able to but teach separate They use stuff. a lot of Agreed. the same Agreed. terminology and a lot of the same requirements, and Paul is, is laying down the requirements, and then no—well, I, I won't get ahead because I know where we're going with this, but— <laughs> I'll leave it at that. No, I, I, think the, I think the demarcation line Timothy expands on a little bit more is deacons are servants of the church, and while elders serve the church, elders serve the church by managing. And the word that we don't like is ruling. So the people that can tell you, no, we don't do that here. Deacons have the knowledge of that, but deacons are not educators. That's the demi- we, did, we, did, we talk, did we talk about this last week? No, this is what no, separates no. deacons from elders is elders are able to teach. Other than that, it's this, you're exactly right. It's the same qualification. Yeah, elders the Gospel Coalition was reading on that site. They, they don't make those distinctions there. There are a lot of people they who should. that line. And they, they should. Don't. No, no, no. no I, I get what you're saying. No, yeah. Other, yeah. And that's my point. Other than that, though, a deacon <clears throat> should have all the same qualifications. He should not be. He should be, you know, slow-tempered. You know, not addicted to wine, able to manage his household. All of those right, things right, still right. apply. The demarcation line between deacon and elder is the ability to communicate the truth. Well, because yeah. believe me, I've met some guys who are great deacons. You would not let them be elders. Uh-uh. Well, they should be able to teach their family. You're oh, supposed yeah. to be able but to disciple their children. There's a difference so between discipling them. children that mm-hmm. are your children and discipling. Other adults and congregations because I've seen wonderful men of God who their families are awesome and you put them in front of 20 adults and it's like who let this man up there (laughs) (laughs) because for whatever reason he just doesn't have it he just doesn't have it and unfortunately you don't find that out until you give him the job I'm not I'm not trying I'm picking a nit with you because I think it's important but I know because the three interchangeable terms are usually um, oh I gotta break out my Greek from memory now so it's a presbyter presbyteros uh, diakonos, which uh, not diakonos, deacon. that would be deacon. Um, oh. <laughs> I can't the word for shepherd, it's gone right out of my head, but it's got a P in it somewhere, a P and a B. Anyway, so it's um, it's overseer, um, presbyter, and shepherd are the um, are the interchangeable words typically. Mm-hmm. And in servant is used while it is used of the elder, it is the the, the office is distinguished typically. That's why typically uh, Reformed churches, anybody of the Protestant faith, would recognize two offices of the church. So if you're in a Presbyterian church, you would have presbyters and deacons. You would have an elder and a deacon because bishop, uh, episkopos, that's the other word I want, episkopos, um, which which would be translated typically as um, bishop. So presbyter, presbyteros, episkopos, and then the... um, 
the word for shepherd that I can't possibly think of right now. But anyway, it's going to drive me nuts. So I'm just You'll going to I'm move on. It. No, I won't. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed. Why is self-willed a big important thing here? Because it is not I who live, but Christ lives with me. Why? Because I've been crucified with Christ. My will is dead. My desires, yeah. the desires of my eyes, the lusts of my flesh, they are gone. As the, uh, as the great hymn puts it, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. <laughs> it is well, by the way, if you have no idea what I'm talking about. What does Jesus say? If you want to come after him, you must do what? Mm-hmm. Pick up your cross and follow him. Yeah, yeah. I'm dead. All of those things are gone. Right. So, not self-willed. Just lost my spot. Not yeah, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, and self-controlled. Rapid fire here because not quick-tempered. Why not? Well, because why would I be angry? I'm discipling. Be quick to listen and slow to anger. Sinners do what? Sinners sin. Why am I mad at you for sinning? If I'm mad at you for your sin, you know what I'm not doing? Recognizing who you are and operating in grace and mercy and teaching. Not addicted to wine. Why not? Because my body is not a slave to my sin or a slave to my mind. It is a slave to Christ. Not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain. I don't want to be an arrogant jerk. I don't want to be annoying. I want to be what? Winning people. Explaining. Mm -hmm. Teaching. Loving. Therefore, hospitable. Loving what is good. Sensible, just, devout, and self-controlled. In other words, being sanctified. Mm-hmm. above reproach. Now, here's the why of all these things, and this is what's so important here. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. He's got to be able to stand before a congregation and say, this is what we do that is good, or this is what we do because it is good, this is what we don't do because it is Bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And, this, and, and, and you can't be a hypocrite because nobody's going to learn from somebody. You learn, see what, do what, as I've been told before, <coughs> do what I say, do what, do what I say, not what I do. Which I is used the to get exact, that a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, I did. And there's <laughs> yeah. some wisdom to that it's because like, I'm, as, some, you, I'm as you pointed out earlier, don't I'm do not what perfect. I did. Yeah, right. I'm not perfect. Don't do what I did. So don't do everything that I do. And those things but, are determined based off of scripture. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Holding yeah. fast yes. the faithful word. What's the faithful word? Second Peter 1. 2 Timothy 3, following Scripture, the things that have been laid down by the prophets, things that have been laid down by the apostles, so the entirety of your Bible, Old Testament to New, the words that lead to Christ, the words of Christ, and the words that explain Christ. I think it's a good way to summarize Old Testament Gospels and Epistles, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're holding fast to that because as— and you know, not going, the, on, going beyond what is written. Yeah, that is the, that's the thing that's sharper than any two-edged sword. That's the anchor. You know, why do you, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Well, how do I know what Jesus said? They put it in a book. So I hold fast to that. That's my objective standard. You've heard me say this on a Sunday morning. If you want to disagree with what I'm saying from a pulpit, then you need to show me. My goal is to present to you what I'm saying in such a way that you can see where I got it from the text. Which means if you want to disagree with me, your disagreement is not with me, but with the text. Explain to me where my understanding is wrong, and then I'll change my mind. If you can't explain to me where my understanding of Scripture is wrong, I'm not changing my mind. That's just not going to fly. Right. And, and it is based off of our understanding of the Scriptures. It is. And like you said, if, if somebody could present a case yes. 
that is biblically sound, then we have we have the obligation to change our mind. I'm standing on 500 years of, of Protestant history here. I'm standing with Martin Luther. My mind is held captive to the Word of God. Here I stand. I can do no other. Right. I mean, that, that's what because this is I got to stand on the Word. I can't stand on councils or popes or books or anything. I have to stand on scripture so he's holding fast the faithful word in accordance with the teaching because that's what's being handed down so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict so he has to be able to lead to disciple to instruct and when necessary to shoot the wolf right right between the eyes shoot him in his canine face (laughs) well in in, as as a teacher and a preacher, we should be teaching the flock to recognize the wolves too. Mm-hmm. So hopefully yes. you're not the only one with the gun ready to shoot the wolf. Exactly. exactly. What's the point, as you've heard me say this before, when we do the trivia question out of our bulletin on Sunday mornings and, on, and when we're going through scripture, is the goal that we just accumulate knowledge so you know we have big pulsating big brain? No. No, it's so that we have wisdom. As, as I told a search committee once in a church that actually hired me that turned out to be a train wreck, my goal is to make me obsolete. Yeah. I want you to be able to do what I do. And he's like, well, well, then what happens? He's like, so say you get the whole church able to do what you do on a Sunday morning. I'm like, why would I ever go anywhere else? How much of a joy to worship and serve in that church would it be? Yeah. I mean, how awesome would it be to be in a church that is that grounded in the word, that is living their lives, that is instructing each other, encouraging? Why would I want to go anywhere else? That's the whole point. Right. We've basically created our mini version of the kingdom th- as much as we can this side of this side of the veil we now rejoice in that and continue to do what expand upon it that's the difference between yeah. discipling others and just having church mm-hmm. there's yes. this notion th- that once a week you you walk into the house of god and you worship and you have church and then that's it mm-hmm. discipling is an everyday every minute thing we should be yes. talking about it on the way home. We should be teaching our kids when we sit down for dinner. We should be talking to people we know at work or strangers on the street. We should be, we should be trying to bring the message of the gospel to every creature that would listen. Agreed. And again, the more a church is faithful, the more a church, and when I say the church, I'm talking about the people of the church, the more a church is being sanctified, the more you will see that the more you will see an outward focus, the more you will see a growing heart because what's going on in here, and I say in here because we're sitting in the back of the sanctuary, the more that's what's going on in here on a Sunday morning influences what's going on the rest of the week, the more that body has opportunity because they're not being starved of their discipleship on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night or on a Tuesday whenever you do church. They're being grounded. They're being discipled. They're being built. Therefore, they actually have something to present to the world. They actually have a foundation to stand upon and a word that they can hand out. Now, why have we gone to these lengths? Pray tell. (coughs) I know you're dying too. I know. This actually came up at the convention. Because Saddleback, is it Saddleback Community Church? Is that what they are? I think so. I think so. Anyway, yeah. Saddleback Church is the uh, the purpose-driven church. Oh, do we owe them money now it's because I said that? No, oh boy. No, he retired. Ah, yes. Awesome. Wait, those books are, uh, they're not public domain yet, but they're getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the purpose-driven <laughs> church. They had the purpose-driven life, the purpose-driven youth ministry, the purpose-driven car wash. I mean, you name it, they drove it with purpose, which sounds like a golf lesson. Yeah, it does. Driving with purpose <laughs> with Tiger Woods yeah. and Arnold Palmer. First Assembly, when I was a member of First Assembly, 
they actually brought him there, and we we heard him speak, and we bought all of his books, and I'm sorry, and, and all of that stuff. It's aggravating, isn't it? It, it was the, interesting. I didn't. There know are any entire better back churches. Then, but, Look, I mean, when I when I was hunting around and doing this, there were churches that would put out like postings, like they're hiring staff, and where we follow the purpose driven model. I'm like, delete. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Rick Warren's Saddleback Purpose Driven Church is an SBC church. It's like the second biggest in the Which SBC. is astounding to me that, that they want to be in the SB, in SBC. Well, that's not a qualification, but mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. I put my water down too hard and I got splashed. Yeah. Now I can't see. So <laughs> why does this matter? Well, because they're SBC about as much as, well, most SBC churches are SBC. Like I said, we're a funky denomination because we're not a denomination. We're a loose affiliation of churches. Yeah. So Rick Warren, Matt Chandler, um, Rob, uh, Al Moeller, uh, Stephen Furtick are all in the same denomination. Andy, no, they're Andy Stanley's yeah. not, but Charles Stanley Charles is. Stanley is. Okay. So yeah, wrap your brain that Charles Stanley, Stephen Furtick, yeah. Al Moeller, and Rick Warren are all in the same denomination. If that doesn't make your head hurt, then yeah, you listen to all four of them, you'll get it's not even the same thing. You listen to mm-hmm. the same sermon from all four of them, you'll have completely different sermons. You won't even get the same. So, Bible won't even say. So Saddleback has been, you know, moving leftward theologically for the better part of three decades. Mm-hmm. Is that really unfair to say out loud? Mm-mm. No, not at all. And I, I, I actually, they've done some things that have shocked me as far as introducing, you know, Indian mysticisms and things of that nature. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Um, and even having people from those faiths come and teach at Saddleback. That's not annoying at all, is it? <laughs> Now, Saddleback came up at the convention because the week before the SBC annual meeting, they ordained three women to ministry positions. And typically what we do in Baptist life is we try to argue – we try to not argue about this issue. So if you're a man and we hire you, we call you a pastor. If you're a woman and we hire you, we call you a director or a minister. (laughs) Yeah. It's the same job, but the pastor of children is a dude. The director of children's ministries is a woman. The the administrative pastor is a dude. The director of administrative and offices is a woman. That's typically what we do. It's the same job, but we try to couch it because nobody wants to run afoul of this because we want to be able to deal in the world standards uh-huh. while still lying about holding to the biblical standard. Yeah. So they ordained three women, and someone actually brought up that, hey, this actually violates the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 because the it office does. of elder is limited to men. Now, I am a person that says elder does not mean pastor my job only so simply put cameron okay you can't be an elder of an sbc church you are not qualified okay <laughs> that's what scripture says then and that's I can't why be the husband that, of one wife because i am that's the wife so yeah, well here's the other I'm, part I'm, I'm not qualified you know what else you can't do see let's let's get let's get into this you're, you're gonna like this because this is why this is important the reason why this applies not just to the senior pastor but to all elders of the church not only can you not be the husband of one wife because even in 2020 that's 2021 that's not how this works yeah exactly um it's not your job to have children who believe no that's god's job no. Well, it's his job to change the heart, but it's my is is the husband. The husband's mm-hmm. job is the head of the household who leads the house in the way that fosters godliness. Yeah, it was, and it, you, it's mine. It's mine. It, it, it's like gravy rolling downhill. 
I know this sounds crazy, but I mean, there's a mental <laughs> image. I'm thinking of it right now. It's okay. Does yours kind of look like the blobs from the 1950s, but been brown? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> gravy rolling down mashed potatoes. Okay. It starts at the top, and it slowly whatever you say affects the entire house. So what you say influences how I'm going to react and how I'm going to be changed, raising the children and interacting with them throughout the day. Therefore, it's going to be changed by how they are going to respond to me and to you. Agreed. So statistics, look, so, yeah, Lifeway, yours. I don't know if Lifeway, it's Lifeway, Barna, one of those people did this years ago. It, it doesn't matter. You can yeah. go dig it up. If you convert children in a household, so all these VBS ministries and things that churches do for outreach, you get children converted. The odds that you're going to get the parents converted at any point down the road, it's like it's like 20 to 40%, somewhere in that ballpark. I don't remember exactly what it was. Now, if you get mom, the odds that you will get children and husband goes up. It's like 60 to 70%. Mm-hmm. But if you get dad, the odds that you will get wife and children is like 97%. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to mention that that's every everything that I've learned so far and articles that I've read in college about this subject is if the dad is in church, everybody else is Everybody too. else is yeah. generally the there. the old line if mom ain't happy ain't nobody happy mm-hmm. is not true. No. As dad goes in households, so go the households. And you and I have talked about this before. What's our problem with urban centers? It's a lack of dads. Mm -hmm. What's the problem in our crime rate? It's a lack of dads. What's the problem in school failures? It's a lack of dads. What's the problem in not just school failures for students, but school failures as far as administration and teachers go? You ready to really make everybody mad? There are way too many women Mm -hmm. teachers. It's It's a profession dominated by women doesn't mean women are incapable of it, but when you have no men, statistically speaking, yeah. you're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that with authority and discipline. Yes. discipline. I've told you the story about the, one of my friends in college was a, the 6'3", the 240-pound former Army tank driver who played college football. <laughs> they were no, dying because he wanted to teach third grade, and they were like... Yeah, give me the 6'3 dude with no neck who's got tats all over him. I want him teaching third grade because he's not going to have any discipline problems in that classroom. Yeah, those kids are going to snap get... too. Yes, because all the girls are going to be like, he is so cute. And all the boys are going to be like, I don't want him to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't eat me. I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. Funny. But no, this is part of the problem is I'll even give you another one. You ready? Okay. This is going to get everybody mad. You ready? Here, feminist screeching in three, two. two. Wives can't be self-willed. That is true. Because your call, your first call is what? To serve our husbands. To submit to your husband. Yes, to submit. If you've Not got a yeah, self-willed woman in a congregation. She is going to divide that church. Well, not just that. You have a self-willed woman in a home marriage. You uh-huh. have a household that is not being managed well, a household that is not run well. You can't do anything in church because you can't keep 17 other qualifications. You yeah. can't be hospitable. You can't not, You can't be loving. You can't be sensible and devout and under self-control because you're not willing to answer your primary ministry, which is always at home. Um, yeah. Yep. And to be fair, men are to submit to their wives as well as the scripture says, but there's a difference and there's a, a subordination that yes. as, as, as a husband is a covering to his wife and his children, so is Christ to the husband. There are way too to many church. men who are scared of their wives. <laughs> For good reasons, but... <laughs> 
Lou's, Maybe so. Lou's having chancla flashbacks. Maybe so. See, but we joke about I, that. Yeah, we joke about it. But, but then, I mean, we do joke, but I have seen, I have been around yeah. men who, well, I'd like to do that. Let me, I, no, I better not. My wife won't like that. Okay, is it something that's really that bad? And you find out what it was. It's like, okay, that wasn't a big deal. Why wouldn't she like that? Maybe she would like to join you and whatever. But I've seen and heard far too many men there's, not want to do stuff because their wife's going to get angry. And then she does and goes off the wall acting like a daggum banshee. <laughs> and he's over there cowering in the corner when I'm like, stand up, tell her to sit down and shut yeah, up. No. no, this is not how you act. And your children are watching. So now your son is learning that a woman starts screaming, I just shut up and back away like a coward. And my daughter's learning, I can walk all over whoever I want to. I would like it's the record terrible. to show that the yes, woman has the woman been saying, saying this. this. Yes. The woman, Lou is my witness. My hands have been above the table the entire time. <laughs> I am not holding a gun to her head. This is not brainwashing. At no Blink point. three times if you need help. <laughs> At no point am I scared to walk up to you and tell you something I do or do not like about what you're doing. The line, no. the line that but you're drawing is respect versus fear. Yes. A wife submitting to her husband should never be afraid of him. No, exactly. What did Sarah exactly. call Abraham? Yeah. Lord. Lord. Yeah. She oh, does, she and likewise, him. when you see a husband who's afraid of saying something because his wife might be upset by it. And he doesn't want to have to deal with her That's mouth. not a well-run no. household. No, it's not. I think we can but, all agree on this. I totally agree. Now, but, wait, but a husband had better love his wife yes. as he loves himself. Agree. Yes. There's a difference yes. between consulting your wife, taking her mm-hmm. advice, exactly. talking to her, yes. and ruling her with an iron fist. Right, right. And all, all these distinctions are need, need to be drawn. But at the end of the day, the command comes down that husband, you follow Christ, and yes. you lead her in that direction, and you don't let anything separate those things. Right. Mm-hmm. The difference becomes is that wife is called that, look, is he leading you away from Christ? If he's not, then you need to go along follow, because yeah. that's for the benefit of your household. And this is what Peter talks about. By your good behavior, by your submission, you might win the man because mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not leading you in the way you want to go perfectly. Why are you still following me? Because you're my husband. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. And I follow Christ happen. by following you. Now, when you cross a line, we draw the line and we don't go that way. Yeah, but until, but uh, yeah, well, we're not talking about sin issues. We're talking about just general life issues. Yes, yes. That's part of the call. So I'm, I'm, I'm broadening the scope here. But at the same token, if you have women trying to run roughshod in your congregation, if you're not willing to be sensible in public, then what are you in private? Because let's be honest: are we, are any of us better in private than we are in public? No. So if, if you're I know willing, I'm not. I'll just be honest. Yeah, I'm not. If you're willing to act like this in He's public, <laughs> if you're willing to act like this in public, what are you like at home when nobody's looking? Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I try. It's a struggle every day. No, to, I agree. I'm not, I'm not, walk I'm not blaming. It. But this is this is part of the point that I'm making. Is this is why these qualifications matter? Right. The leadership of a home from the Old Testament, from creation, literally from creation, has been given to men. Now, biologically, I'm, I'm not going to try to dive too far into this. One, because I really can't. And two, because you, we would all fall asleep, myself included. But all of the markers, how men process information, how mm-hmm. men disseminate information, how men manage and process stress. Yes. I don't mean just mentally and emotionally, but I mean physically. How men process emotional wrongs, how men fight, how men argue. They are different from, on the whole from how women do these things. Yes. So are there perfectly logical, rational women? Yes, there I've are. I've never met one, but yes. 
Well, uh-huh. I'm sitting on the other <laughs> side is. of the table here. Yeah, there, but, I mean, there are, but again, they have they have learned how to control themselves, and when they get an emotion, they've learned how to. Statistically speaking, that. why have women's rates of stroke and heart disease skyrocketed in the Western world in the last forty years? Outside of diet, maybe the things that they're doing that Part- they're trying to take. And part yes. of that diet is because women have started to enter into worlds that they are literally not built not physically built on the uh-huh. on the whole. Again, I'm speaking in generalities. They're not physically built to occupy. And the end result is it's killing them. Literally yes. killing them. Yes, men have known we've known this for years. This is why men die before women on the whole. We do more dangerous jobs and stress wears us down faster because we we take on more of it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we are physically mentally and emotionally and i would argue spiritually more equipped to handle it than women again on the whole which is again why men are supposed to have these qualifications right and uh, you know in our circles we call it complementarianism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so the wife complements your strengths yes and helps you and he's your helpmate and you are her covering and her protector if you will and her teacher, and everything. I mean, it's all rolled up. Stereotypes come from somewhere, and the typical stereotype is women soften men. And that's to our good. Yes. Why, why do men who, you know, love their children well and, and can handle, you know, emotional situations, look, what's our typical answer? Rub some dirt on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, again, I've, made, I've told the story before. If my children run into the house screaming, holding a body part, what did you do? My first question is always, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. My wife's first question is, are you okay? And see, and that works for us because I've told yeah. them, I've told my wife a thousand times, don't ever, never ask, I've told you, never ask what happened. Mm-hmm. Just treat what's wrong. I will find out what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing beats the time the kids, they both were playing outside in the rain, it finished raining and it was just a puddle in the front yard and rocks and all. I was at the church next door doing choir practice i leave the kids are playing the puddle so michael's standing there kind of watching them about 15 minutes into choir practice i get a phone call all i can hear on the phone call is screaming and crying and michael i can't even hear what michael's saying so i just i'm coming home i hang up i said i'll be back i ran out the side door church and ran across the driveway and into the yard i opened this door i can hear them from the road there's they're both both of them and they're 18 months apart and they're both like Three and four, yeah. Three and four. I walk into the bathroom, and both of them are standing in the tub, just looking at each other, screaming at each other. Blood's running down knees. They had fallen in the driveway and scraped their legs. And Michael's going, they fell. Take her. So I grab, I should take him. I grab my son and go to the other room. To get him to calm down, because yeah. every time his he would see bleeding from his sister, he would start crying. Yeah. Every time I had him in crying, the shower. I I was cleaning up. They were fine. They were going to be okay, <laughs> but they just this. wouldn't stop screaming. I yeah, could and I'm this. like, so yeah. yeah. So I had to get him separated, calm him down, get him to breathe. What's wrong? Tell, are you hurt? Because I can see he's hurt. But tell me usual words and tell me what happened. Jada's bleeding. He wasn't worried about him. It's the fact his sister's sitting there in front of him bleeding, and he was worried. And that needed, okay, so and that needed had, mom. Yeah. I got him straight. I'm okay with that. And he, yeah. she was able to talk right. to dad. That right. doesn't bother me any. Yeah. Now, again, when it comes to church, st- the reason why the statistic about dad versus mom versus kids being one to Christ bears out is because that's the creation order. Mm-hmm. When you get dad, you get the household to run properly. 
You get him taking on leadership roles that he is meant to take on. You get him taking on discipleship roles that he is meant to take on. You typically will end up seeing a wife taking on roles that by nature she is meant to take on. Serving, following, nurturing, doing these things by nature. Now, again, we're speaking in generalities. Don't, don't send me the email of, like, this one woman you knew one time who was more of a dude, and I don't care. There's always an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> there are times when I have to be mom and dad, and that was usually on Sunday mornings when we, we live next door to the church because you would have to leave first. I'm a little busy on Sunday mornings. Go, yeah, you leave. <laughs> I become a single mom on Sunday mornings. You get up, get dressed, and you've got temperature and all this stuff and make sure the parking lot's clean, all the things you have to do as people are coming in and whatnot. So I have to get both kids ready, which means sometimes I have to lay down the law as to how this is going to work. Right. And then when dad walks back in, I, have to back I, can that take, up. I can tell him, this is what we're doing. And then I tell him what we're doing, and then that's how it goes. Once Sunday morning's over and preaching's done and we come home and eat lunch, I can then take a right and then, mommy, can I do, mommy, can I go see this person? Mommy, can, why can't we do this? Let's go talk to daddy. Because now the, the the shoulders, it's not my shoulders to bear every decision. Mm-hmm. Right. But when he's not home, I have to. That's so, a yes, you family. have strong yeah. women who have to bear it because their husbands are in the military. Agreed. But, that's, but when they come home. Those are temporary exactly, and they are special circumstances. Exactly. He took some, takes them back. If he doesn't take them back, then there's something going on. That doesn't mean she's qualified but to be an exactly elder because she's, she's not. not able and she's not supposed to fill that role. Right. No. If she's filling it, because it's because something has gone wrong. Just because yes. you have stepped into the gap when something has gone wrong doesn't mean you should be there when things are supposed to be running right. Exactly. And when are things supposed to be running most right? In our churches. Yes. As much in our congregations, where the yes. community of faith should be able to see that family and say, mom shouldn't have to take on that. There are other men in this congregation that can help. There are other guys that can be around to, to help disciple your children, to teach mm-hmm. them, to train them, to show them things. Yes, it doesn't mean women can't do it. It just means it's not easy and it's it's burdensome when we take on responsibility that um, our husbands are not taking on. And in instances when military, for instance, are deployed and mom is home and she's got young teenage boys, 13, 14, 15, and they're starting to give her problems. That's when the elders in the church step in and it's like, let's go fishing, son. Come help me at the construction site and work and whatnot. Let's get your learner's permit and let's have some man-to-man time yeah, stuff, until dad comes back. Stuff that you need. Yes. Now, if you are, now, if a congregation's not doing that, then there's a breakdown of the congregation. Yes. If a congregation is usurping that and saying, well, look, mom's done a great job while he's gone, let's, let's make her an elder. That church is now in rebellion. Yes, they are. Because that's not the way it's <coughs> Because God that calls is it not be. the basic, and it's, it's not just that it's not the basic qualification. The basic qualifications are built upon who we are made in God's image. Mm-hmm. This, that's why we include this under the doctrine of humanity. From what I understand from the articles that I've read about Saddleback, that these ladies were already in those positions, mm-hmm. and they were just recognizing mm-hmm. what they've been doing since 1990-something. Agreed. Which so, means they're just ne- – the, yeah. the church has moved far enough along with the culture that it's going to be acceptable for them right. to tell everybody out loud what they're actually doing. Right. Yeah. That's not good because, mm-hmm. again, part of the standing – part of the reason for these qualifications was what? Let me get back to it real quick. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Carry on. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. 
For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. In other words, shoot the wolf in the face. Mm-hmm. Because that's how this is supposed to be. And what Saddleback is doing, and they're not the only ones. I just no. grab it because it's, it's a most recent story. Actually, when I grabbed this, it was a very recent story, and we just got delayed on it. But this becomes an issue because this is what the world would tell you. For the same reason our conversation about what the qualification for the elder is and when is he actually disqualified. It's a hard conversation to have, not because the categories are hard to define, but because the timing is hard to define because we are somewhat – Taking into account what? What will the world think and what will this look like? We, we take into, into account public relations and how we deal with that. Why? Because we care. Because we are trying to preserve a witness and we are trying to preserve a testimony and we are trying to look right before the world. The problem with that, though, is when we take that too much into account, we're no longer holding fast the faithful word. We're now saying this is what the world has said is okay, so that's what we're doing. That's what Saddleback's done. Mm-hmm. We've been doing this for 30 years. We've rejected the faithful word for 30 years. That's why I mean, I've never been a Saddleback fan. We've rejected that a long time ago. But now the world has influenced the church enough that the church doesn't really make as big of a distinction over this. So we're just going to openly call it what it is. And we're going to say these women are pastors. And the problem is they're not because they can't be. They, they can't be the ones leading the family. They can't be the ones who are following Christ in that manner. There, you well, if they are, the family's broken. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's which why violates one of the qualifications of being an elder. Right. Having that broken family means right. you're not qualified. Again, how can you, how can I expect you to be the line of a congregation when you can't be the line of your own household? Right. Yeah. Right. You have to lead by example, and and There's, I mean it, it's not a, a a slam against women. No, it's not. Nice. They have some of the hardest jobs Agreed. that that you could possibly have in the family unit. I mean, I can't, I can't bear children. Agreed. We're the <laughs> and glue. wouldn't want to. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to. We are the glue that keeps the tyrant father. But my point is, and, and we've said and this the before. the children happy together because we helped you to work each other. We helped to understand why Dad wants yes. the rules and is hardcore. And we are the ones who explain well, to the children. These are dad's rules, and this is why we have these rules. Which is why single-parent households, for whatever reason, are always somewhat askew because there's yeah. a balance that is not being brokered there. Mm-hmm. Now, again, though, you and I have said this before, and so I, I know you'll say this right off the bat, Lou. When we stand before eternity and God looks and goes, in that family, the line wasn't drawn. Whose fault will God make that? It's mine. It's the husband's fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the wife may go, I tried. Yeah. That's not your job. That's not your fault. Remember, Eve is deceived. Who got blamed? Adam. Because Adam should have been standing there going, no. No. The line is drawn. We know where it is. We're not going that direction. Again, why are there elders? There are elders because there has to be someone in the church who's willing to look at you. Look at this. Look at this coming full circle. You ready? You ready? There's got to be somebody in the church who can look at you and say, no, we don't do that here. And here's the reason. Mm-hmm. Here's the sin that you're violating. Here, here's all. Here's the reasons why we don't go in that direction. Why should I expect you to be the person to draw that line in church when I don't expect you to be the person to draw that line in your family? Yeah, you can't, you can't. have one without the other, right? Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I don't expect you to be that person at home, why should I expect you to be that person in the church? Well, see, that's the problem with the church today. You you have a witness that you're trying to 
pre- present to the public, mm-hmm. but in, in real life, in your personal life, mm-hmm. you're not like that. So you're a hypocrite. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, that's the big, one of the biggest problems I see in the church today. And when I talk to somebody who isn't <laughs> saved, doesn't believe in God, doesn't want to, one of the biggest complaints is that they're all a bunch of hypocrites in that church. Hey, we got room for one more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Once you get in now, there and find out. Flip side, see. real quick, because <laughs> we, we really are out of time. But flip side, real quick. Does that mean all the women who are trying to fill the gaps in these churches and doing a lot of these roles are sinning? Oh. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. I don't know their heart. Yeah. But when I see a bunch of women filling these roles in church, you know what I do know? I do know that the men are. Yes. The men are. The women right. may not be because, like I said, I don't know their heart. But the men are because they are not filling the roles. They are not stepping up and doing the job that God has ordained and designed them to do. And there are gaps. And what ends up happening is I've said this for years, and people don't like me when I say this. If something's not getting done in church, then stop doing it Yeah. because the church doesn't care. And if nobody wants to do it, then it doesn't need to get done right now. It doesn't matter how important you think it is. If it's meant to get done in that church, God will raise up somebody to do it. And if in your church of however many people, there's no one to fill that role, then nuke that role. Don't put an unqualified person in there because someone's got to do it. Right. And women are really capable, really, Too really quick many to sins. say, I'll, 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 nobody else will. All right, I will. I'll do it. I'll do it. Too many it's when sins. churches start um, praising those women, like Saddleback is now done. Too many sins and too many shipwrecks on the altar of something must, must be, be done. done. No. No, it doesn't. Take a break. Give it a month and see if it must be done in a month. But women won't. We, we don't. So, we're, we're fixers. We, we see a problem. We want to step in there and fix it. Maybe, you know what? It's not a problem. Where you start <laughs> will determine where you finish. If you start with the faithful word and you stand there and walk there, you will not finish with what Saddleback is doing, what a lot of churches have done, what the entirety of the Episcopal Church, the uh, United Methodist Church in this country has done, what large segments of both Lutheranism and Presbyterianism have done in this world Mm -hmm. and in this country. You won't end there because in order to get there, you have to stop standing on the faithful word, which means you didn't have biblical elders. You didn't have right standards. Because what you said was, well, we like our own standards better. That was then, this is now. You're not holding fast the faithful word, and you're not refuting poor doctrine. So, what have we learned here today, children? God orders his church according to his creation. Humanity is responsible to and before, wait for it, God. And we cannot be faithful while living in rebellion. No, we cannot. No, we cannot. Questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. You can go to the website, see all that good stuff. We'd love to hear from you. If not, share it with your friends and neighbors. We appreciate it. Um, If we've made you mad, you can tell me about it, but I'll just tell you how you're wrong because that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I will forward all of the complaints to Lou. How about that? And Lou can tell you how you're wrong. Lou hasn't done that in a while. That'll be fun. There you go. He has nothing else to do, do you? <laughs> in all the seriousness, though, this is these are not fun conversations because, again, we're trying to walk a line, but it's one that needs to be walked because, mm-hmm. Christian, the world hates you, and it's yes. always going to, and your answer should be stand on the word because that's what matters. So mm-hmm. until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.